Good morning. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Zach. I'm a home group leader here at the, um, I was going to say university, uh, the church. <laughs> uh, I'm a student, um, if you didn't know. And whether this is your first time you're exploring faith or you've been coming to church for a few weeks now, or if you call this place home, you are so welcome this morning. Um, if you don't know, Christmas is nearly upon us. Uh, Michael Bublé is out of his cave, uh, I can <laughs> confirm. Uh, did you know that his album is number one every single year um, in Australia since 2011? Which is, which is, just, which is just bizarre. You know? Like every year, Australians just flock to HMV and buy his album. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go, fact of the day. Um, also, Christmas jumpers are out in full force. If you have a Christmas jumper, could you stand up for me, please? Let's go. Alistair, that counts. Yeah, let's see. Um, round of applause for these guys, just for their boldness um, and your example for all of us. Really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah. And so we're also deep into our Advent series as well. Um, we've called it The Light Came Down, which is us taking a look behind the familiar nativity scene and looking at the universe-changing move God made to break into his creation in order to come and rescue us back to his love. So two weeks ago, we had Jeremy, and he was looking at how God was always meant to become a part of his creation with the help of the KV kids, mainly Jack Johnson. Uh, and then last week, we, our focus became more refined. We had Jeremy, he was looking at the expectation and the... Jesse? Did I, who did I say? Jeremy. Oh, Jeremy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Jesse. Um, so our focus became more refined. So Jesse discussed the expectation and the hope around the one who was to come. Jesus. Sorry for the spoiler. Um, <laughs> and those po podcasts are both online at kingdomvineyard.com in our listen section, so I recommend you go and check them out if you missed those weeks. So this week, again, we're going to tighten in our focus. Uh, we're going to focus on two people. We're going to focus on Mary and Joseph. We've looked at creation as a whole. We've then looked at the expectation and the history and now our focus is on two people. This morning, I want to spend the next 25 to 30 minutes looking at the intersection of the big and the small, where heaven broke in through radically normal people from a small town called Nazareth. And in turn, they demonstrate what the posture of our hearts should be during this Christmas season. This morning, I want to suggest that the season of Advent that we are in invites us to say yes to God's promises. Firstly, today, I want to look primarily at the example of Mary and of Zachariah. And from this comparison, we will discover what saying yes should look like and what saying yes shouldn't look like. Then I want to look at how saying yes this Christmas applies to us in three areas, the personal promises of God, the scriptural promises of God, and finally, the worship of God. So Claire is going to come, um, oh, there she is, um, and she's going to read our passage today, which is Luke 1, verses 5 through 38. 
Uh, it's a bit of a long one, so sit back, relax, enjoy the show, uh, and the words will be up on the screen behind me. Yeah, so that's Luke 1, 5 through 38. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you shall have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am old, an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. <laughs> I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak, until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple, and when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, thus, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me, to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and we will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. 
And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The political drama, the West Wing, <laughs> Bang Greg, follows the life of White House staffers during the presidency of fictional character Josiah Bartlett, played by Martin Sheen. The series is set in the West Wing of the White House and is seven seasons of, I put here arguably, but it is the greatest TV of all time. <laughs> in one of the episodes near the end of the first season, the president isn't doing too well. His approval ratings are down. Um, one of the members of staff that he's just hired wrote a memo for when she was working for a political uh, opponent, and this memo is now being leaked, and it's a damaging report of the presidency or the president's ability to lead. And so, in this intense scene, the chief of staff named Leo Magari challenges the president to be himself, to lead again. And he encourages to let the president's staff off the leash to do what they came to do when they came into office. And the response of the White House aides when they bring them all together gives me goosebumps every single time. I serve at the pleasure of the president. In other words, let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you want, I will do it. Nazareth might be a bit different to the West Wing of the White House, but the posture of Mary's heart is similar to that of Leo and the other staffers. At the intersection of the macro and the micro, where heaven is breaking in, lies the cry of a startled young girl. Let it be to me according to your word. I serve at the pleasure of Yahweh. And so Mary's example is set up in Luke in contrast to the example of Zechariah. So in verses 5 through 25, which we've just heard, the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah. He's a priest, and he's performing his duties in the temple. In other words, he's just going about his daily routine. He's in his 9 to 5 job, um, doing his thing. And then in verse, verses 10 through 11, Zechariah is in the sanctuary, and the people are not. Zechariah is portrayed here as more holy, so he can go and offer incense in the sanctuary of the temple. He's portrayed as someone selected by God, someone who is pure, someone who is holy. And in Isaiah 56, verse 7, says, These I will bring to my holy mountain, Holy mountain meaning um, the temple. And I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The reason I read out that verse this morning is because it is highly likely that Zechariah was praying 
for this hope of the Messiah to become reality. He was praying on behalf of his nation to see God break into their circumstances and see a shift and see breakthrough. And then Gabriel shows up and tells him that his family will play an active role in God's cosmic plan for the whole of creation. Gabriel goes on to outline God's plans to Zechariah. He has promised that his barren wife will give birth to a son who will prepare the way of the Lord, the one prophesied about in the Old Testament. And a few verses down, and then it's Mary's turn to receive a visit from Gabriel. And I actually can relate to this story. <laughs> when I was 10 years old, uh, let's not get over it. Um, I went to California, um, sunny California. Uh, actually, it was February. It was still sunny, actually. And so my, my uncle over there was a part of a church, and he was doing their kind of school stuff. And me and my dad went to visit him, and it was great, and it was exciting, and um, it was crazy. It was a crazy time. And I was just a 10-year-old just playing on my Nintendo DS uh, during the services. Uh, one morning, I was in the shower, um, as you do in the morning. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm just sitting there and standing. And, <laughs> and like, I just, it's, like, it's obviously the shower is warm. And then all of a sudden, it's just this, like, cold water is just, like, coming upon me. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, it's the Lord. <laughs> so, you know, I get on my knees and I'm just weeping. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, so, and I'm like, Flip, like, what's the Lord calling me to? Something's happening. Um, so I get out of the shower and it turns out my dad just kept getting cups of cold water from the sink and just chucking it in the shower. <laughs> so I can kind of relate. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Mary is going about her daily routine. <laughs> In verse 38, it says, the angel Gabriel appears and says, the Lord is with you. And this phrase is used often in the Old Testament to reference in reference to a person set apart by God for a special purpose. We see the same thing um, in the book of Judges in the Old Testament in chapter 6. When Gideon, the angel of the Lord, appears to Gideon and calls him to lead Israel against the Midianites. God has given his favor to one who had no claim of worthy status and has chosen her to have a central role in salvation history. The angel goes on to state that she will bear the Davidic king, the one prophesied about, the one expected and hoped for. And in this moment, we see their ex Mary's expectation becoming reality. And so up to this moment, we've covered the first half of both narratives. The angel Gabriel appears to both Zechariah, and then he goes on and appears to Mary. They're going about their daily routine. They're both promised children, one of which is to be the son of God, the Messiah, the Davidic king. No big deal. And then this is where the stories, even though they're going along parallel, this is where they take different avenues. 
in verse 18, Zechariah questions Gabriel. And he says, how will I know this? Zechariah wants assurance. But he's also a priest. He knows the scriptures. He knows the Old Testament. Therefore, he knows that God has done this before. He did it. He promised it to Sarah in Genesis. He promised it to Rachel also in Genesis. He promised it to Hannah in Samuel. He promised it to Samson's mom in Judges 13. Even though he asks for a sign, he is rebuked for his unbelief and is sentenced to silence until the birth of his child. He did not give his wholehearted yes to the promises of God. And in contrast, Mary also inquires about the nature of her promise. She asks the angel in verse 34, says, how will this be since I am a virgin? How will this be? It is a question of inquiry rather than a request for a sign. She acknowledges that this is God. This is clearly God. However, she just understands enough biology and with like a rough idea on how on earth this is going to happen. And then the closing remarks. Mary says in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary actually has the last word, while Zachariah evidently does not. Describing herself as God's servant, she acknowledges the submission to his plans, but she also acknowledges her role in the assistance of those plans of cosmic proportions. In the middle of the awe and the wonder becoming um, the word of the word becoming flesh stands Mary. She is the one who gives her wholehearted yes to her God, as she knows that He will bring His promises and plans to completion. I serve at the pleasure of Yahweh. However, it isn't easy. In another um, book of the Bible, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 1, Joseph, it talks about how Joseph planned to divorce Mary in response to her pregnancy. Mary, in the eyes of that society, had conceived a son outside of mar marriage. Therefore, she was no longer accepted. She bore the stigma of shame. Her yes was costly. She knew this was going to happen. Joseph's yes was costly to go through with it. They chose to embrace the promises of God and in the process embrace the mystery of that promise. Mary, the one who had no family heritage, she was young, she was a woman, she was the one who was highly favored. God's promise was costly. It was incredible and to human eyes, impossible. Yet the cry of her heart in the midst 
of the mystery, in the midst of the awe and the wonder, is yes. I serve at the pleasure of Yahweh. Radical, humble obedience. God uses ordinary people in ordinary situations for his plans and purposes on this earth. There's a saying that I like, and it's that the big is in the small. That means in the big, the life-changing works of God in our lives, it often goes on in the small, everyday situations that we find ourselves in. The big is in the small. And for Mary and Joseph's case, in their radical, humble obedience, the big was in the belly of the small. Mary was not a big person in the nation of Israel. She was a nobody. All that was required was her yes. God did massive thre- sorry. God did massive things through a small person, through their small yet faithful yes to God. So then, what about us? The season of Advent invites us to say yes to his promises. And as I said earlier, we're going to look at three areas really quickly. The personal promises of God, the scriptural promises of God, and also the worship of God. So what are the promises in our own lives that we can say yes to? this Christmas, whether for the first time, maybe you're finally giving in to the nudge of the Holy Spirit that you keep waking up to every single morning, and you keep trying to put it away every single morning. <laughs> We've all been there. Or maybe the Lord is inviting you to opt into a promise that was placed over your life a long time ago, A life has just got in the way. I think for some of you in the room, actually at the moment, and the Lord is just reawakening some prophetic words that you received years ago, which um, were just forgotten about. And I encourage you at the end to just come up and receive prayer. And we'd love to pray with you in that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so what are the personal promises of God in our lives that we can say yes to this Christmas? God has promises over your workplace. He has promises over your family. He has promises over your university courses. He has promises over this town and this region. And just like Mary, we are invited this Christmas to say yes to his promises and to acknowledge our role in bringing them about to fulfillment. And secondly, the scriptural promises of God. The word Advent comes from the Latin eventus, meaning coming arrival. And this Latin word is actually taken from a Greek word called perusia, which refers to the second coming of Jesus. Therefore, the Christmas season, Advent isn't just about reflecting on what happened 2,000 years ago, but actually it's about looking forward to 
Advent invites us to say yes to Jesus in all that he brings in this present moment and in the future. Yes to his kingdom. Yes to his rule and reign being established in our own lives and in the culture around us. And so as a church, what are the promises in Scripture that we can step into this Advent? You could probably do a whole sermon series on that. Um, I just want to focus on one this morning. Isaiah 49, 6 reads, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. The light came down 2,000 years ago. We, as the church, are invited to carry his light into the society around us, into the culture around us. This Christmas invites us to once again step into the promise Yahweh has given to his people to carry his light to the world. Um, This week, if you weren't aware, we had a general election in this country. I don't want to talk about politics at all. (laughs) But this cultural moment presents a ripe time for the church to step in to the promises God laid out for her in Scripture. Our society is in dire need of hope. And it's looking to a lot of things. Therefore, as a church, we must stand up and say, look at us. We bear his light. We bear the hope. So, what are the promises of God in our lives that we can say yes to this Christmas? Whether it be personal or whether it be in community. Whether it be a prophetic word from years ago or a deep calling from the scriptures. What small action can we do to bring the reality of God's presence into someone's situation? Is our response the posture of Zechariah? Or is the cry of our heart the same as Mary's? I serve at the pleasure of Yahweh. And lastly, later on in our story, Mary goes to see her relative Elizabeth. It's interesting that even though Mary doesn't ask for a sign, she's given a sign, which is her relative Elizabeth giving birth. It is all very exciting. They're celebrating the promises of God in their own lives. And it's amazing and it's joyful. And I'm sure there was like feasting and it was great. And then Mary breaks into praise. Her yes has worship at the heart of it. And in verse 46, Mary proclaims, My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord the Lord. This verse actually references a verse from the Old Testament. Um, In Psalm 69, verse 30, it reads, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. One translation titles Psalm 69 as the waters are up to my neck. 
Saying yes to his promises are costly. The waters can feel like they're up to your neck. Yet just like Mary, we are called to worship through it. To magnify the Lord, which means to declare great. Like this morning as we declared, great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord, this Christmas. And my soul magnifies the Lord. From our innermost being, praise his name. Soul can also be translated as breath. Therefore, with every breath, declare him great. In the midst of the awe and the wonder of Christmas, declare him great. In the mystery of the light came down of Emmanuel, God with us, declare him great. Worship is at the heart of our yes to his promises this Christmas. N.T. Wright says, underneath it all is a celebration of God. God has taken the initiative. God the Lord, the Savior, the powerful one, the holy one, the merciful one, the faithful one. God is the ultimate reason to celebrate. And so as we land part three of our Advent series, the question I want to ask is, why do Mary and Joseph matter? I could have talked about um, Jesus. Well, I did, but you know what I mean. Um, (laughs) But I really got a sense um, just over this sermon that actually... We just need to say our yes again this Christmas. At the intersection of the big and the small, of God breaking into his creation, lies the cry of a young girl. Let it be unto me according to your word. I serve at the pleasure of Yahweh. Their example of radical, humble obedience matters. The example of worship in the midst of embracing the mystery of the light came down matters. God invited extremely normal people into his plan that was of cosmic proportions. God is inviting us this Christmas to say yes to his promises. Therefore, what is the posture of our hearts in response? Why don't you stand? I'd love to pray for you. Have the band back up. That'd be great. Come, Holy Spirit. God, make us more aware of your presence in this moment. As I was preparing um, this week, I just got a real sense that God is calling some of us to um, remember the promises he spoke over us, or spoke over you 
uh, when you were setting up your business. Um, I don't know what that looks like, but you get a sense he's just nudging you right now in that. Um, as well, I think some of you actually, your name is really significant. Your parents um, prayed a lot over it. And I just feel like the Lord just wants to invite you to step into that promise of your name. And if there is anything um, that the Lord was kind of speaking to you about, those promises spoken over your life, I just encourage you, come down to the front. Receive prayer. We'd love to stand and pray with you. Members of our home group will come and they'll pray beside you. And treat stepping out of, the, of your aisle as a way of saying yes, the initial yes. Either for the first time or to say yes again. So Father, we thank you. Thank you for just your love and your mercy. Father, thank you that you invite us to say yes this Christmas to all that you have for us. God, you restore the awe and the wonder in our lives of Christmas, of light came down. Would we worship you through the midst of it? And would the cry of our heart be yes to whatever you want? Would we declare today as a church and individually and as a family, I serve at the pleasure of Yahweh. Amen.